all the inconvenience, none of the fun. And welcome to episode number 154 of Grumpy Old Benz for Friday, April 23rd, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the NAS boxes are failing and Amazon doesn't know how to ship hard drives. And from America's left coast, where soon you won't even need to install a camera to spy on your neighbors. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Ooh, is somebody going to install them for us? I guess, sort of. More like uh, there's a device you already have in your house that is going to be repurposed to be a spy device on every human within its range. You mean Wi-Fi? Exactly. I am talking about the 802.11bf uh, standard, which is being worked on by IEE already. IEE! <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, I, we talked about that uh, a little <laughs> bit in the past, how people are using them as makeshift. Well, companies are repurposing them as makeshift uh, devices yeah. for the movement detection and things like that. Yeah, I, it's uh, there's a standard being worked on. I actually I, I read the standard. That's why I'm bringing it up again. So deal with it. Oh, um, the the standard is, uh, you know, the the other the proposal that goes along with this is that they're moving to a 60 hertz uh the a 60 hertz carrier wave, um, which has a short enough wavelength that they can detect things like gestures uh, or or possibly typing or uh, or jerking off. That's a little bit weird so, for just uh, using those kind of radio waves and, and this is now this isn't just a couple companies being creative this is they are turning it into a standard based on wi-fi sensing it uses a signal interference uh you know the, the kind of things we always talked about on you know, we talked about before about it, it it behaves like hacking um where they want to you, you know how things that can block wi-fi can really mess with your ability to get a signal to somewhere well once they start measuring that interference of what direction and what uh you know how much interference you're getting anything that is wi-fi opaque that moves around which i mean the main thing in most houses is humans they can now track your uh your presence your distance to from the access point the direction the motion um all this is going to require is a, a new access point with custom firmware and three antennas and you've got triangulation of everybody within its range um well that is it's for the systems that use like the mesh networks that you have multiple devices one single router can't do this correct this is just you have to have well, multiple it, to triangulate you just need three antennas so but one they, single router with three antennas on top of it yes totally could but wouldn't those the people have to be between those antennas then that uh, no no it's uh the nature of triangulation you you detect distance to to two different points and you need you know three to get every direction um and uh if like if the only thing that you know is distance and you have uh three different places that you have distance to then you can identify exactly where the source of that is it's it's used with with earthquakes it's used with uh you know trying to find radio waves etc and it, it's going to be used with wi-fi now 
it, it would be more precise if they can get multiple access points working together. And I'm sure that, you know, once we've all got 5G in our brains, then that'll be easy. But well, um, yeah, that's why the mesh networks are so popular. They can track everything you're doing inside. But your no, house. this won't take a mesh network. Uh, this is I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to take a, you know, a, a specially designed access point and some software that i mean you know once you get up into the 60 hertz range you know, what, what do we got right now like five gigahertz uh, this is a 60 gigahertz range um these are really short wavelengths they can detect distance really well and uh, i mean if they get the timing chip in there right then and throw some ai at it which is what everybody's doing yeah um now uh, one of the things that jumped out at me about the proposal for this, which, by the way, is not going to be an official IEEE proposal until 2024, but it, you know, they're working on it. Uh, but one of the things that jumped out at me is that it says that implement implementations must require opt in from users in order to turn it on. And and of course, there's two things that come to mind about that. The first is um, how does the device know that the user turning it on is necessarily the user? in the you know own, who owns the house and not the user in the car outside war driving right to see if anybody's home yeah uh and then the second is uh wi-fi penetrates walls and if you're in an apartment building um you might be able to opt into your own wi-fi tracking or out as the case may be but your neighbor's wi-fi is absolutely going to be able to track you too through the wall so it might be time to start investing in that aluminum wallpaper <laughs> yeah Something to block. I mean, we all need our own personal Faraday cage. I think I'm kind of feeling like with IOT being what it is, um, I, we all need that regardless of whether this technology comes to us or not. I hate technology. I do. Uh, I've got a couple other IOT stories. I'll trickle through the rest of the episode. But what do you got today? <laughs> well, one, I'm dealing with a failing Western digital NAS, which I mean, OK, it was five years old, so it was probably time to start swapping the drives. And this is one that I was only using for uh, television episodes, stuff like that. So nothing I was really backing up because it was all just stuff that was downloaded. And I mean, having a backup of that kind of thing always seemed ridiculous because what are the odds that two drives out of the NAS are going to die at the same time? Turns out the odds of that. I, are I, I, I mean, the comment I made right before the show, what are the odds? Well, if if it's an accident, then the odds are are pretty low. In fact, almost astronomical. If it's an attack, on the other hand, you know, that's what I thought, because there has been, well, an update on the firmware. And you wonder if that had an issue with it. And at first, uh, drive one on the device failed and it, it still functioned because that's what NAS drives will do. The devices, if you're running RAID 5, you can lose one drive. So I figured, okay, I ordered a new Western Digital hard drive to replace it. It came in from Amazon, and that drive wouldn't work. And I did a little more research. The Western Digital device that I have won't accept their own Red Plus drive. Only the Red, because I guess the Red Plus are too good for this piece of crap. I don't know. But uh, maybe they're they're trying to push you into buying the cheaper one right exactly this is pushing into buying the cheaper one there was a lot of complaints which is why i was going to avoid them because it was assuming well we're gonna have to redo all this anyway all four drives and the red drives themselves i guess have changed the way they operate over the last few years going to the magnetic re uh, reading what you know there's two different systems i get confused 
on how these drives are put together and what technology they use to read the information. And there's a slower one and there's a faster one. Well, all the red drives went to the slower one. So I'm like, well, I'll go with the red plus. Well, that didn't work. And in the time that it took for the new drives to come, well, the second one had failed, which I still think is kind of odd. I tried to do a uh, just moments before the show, tried to do a rebuild on drive number uh, two or drive number one, because that was the first one that went bad. But drive two seemed like it was failing more. And I tried to do a rebuild and that failed. So we have one more shot, I think, of doing a rebuild in the other slot. But it's looking like that's all going to be just reason to allegedly download a lot more and uh, and rebuild the thing. So it's nothing like, oh, gee, I had all of my financial data or anything that I really cared about. It was mostly stuff that was just sitting there waiting to be watched on a whim. You know, when you're a digital hoarder, these kind of things happen. But so you can redownload it. Right. This is in, uh, in fact, your your AI at home is probably already redownloading it. That would be a great thing, wouldn't it? Just, oh, we need to yeah. redownload this series and this series and this series. Yeah. Alexa, go get all my illegal content for me. But the concept that and we've talked about it before and I understood the risks involved. There's a lot of people who believe that if you have a raid five NAS going on a raid five doesn't have to be in a NAS. You can do it in your desktop if you have a. Uh, the right hardware a lot of people think that's just as good of a backup because you know like i just said what are the odds you'll have multiple failures and the reality is it happens so if you have data that you really cannot lose you need to back it up but amazon well, holy it, it, crap i mean the first the the red plus drive at least came the way i was used to hard drives coming which was in their own box you know, the little uh, cardboard on both sides of the drive, you know, holding it gingerly in the middle of that box that came inside of another box. We all know if you bought hard drives, what they usually look like. The thing that arrived today, and I know for sure one of these is already bad because I put it into the NAS to try to do the re- um, you know rebuild and immediately got uh, bad. four drives and nothing but the anti-static bag together in a box with nothing cushioning them. And I'm not even sure that the FedEx guys don't play baseball with some of the packages. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. And it's like, what the hell, man? These are not cheap objects. It's not like you're shipping $3 spoons or something. These are, you know, hard drives that are 150 bucks or something a piece. It's like you think you might put a little packaging to make sure they don't get slammed around. But well, they're going to replace them, aren't they? they? Well, they'll have to. Because well, yeah, you hope came in broke, be like, screw you, man. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be an, another part of the hassle of this whole thing. And uh, technology, man, you got to love it. But beyond that, I do. <laughs> no, you don't. Did, I guess. Where did that rule come from? This is, a, this is a show that we are firmly experts on a lot of technology and we hate most of them. Yeah, well, because unfounded hate is wrong. However, when you decide to go out of your way to learn about something so that you can hate it with the right information, then then you're an expert. Yes, that's that's why you want to be here. Uh, Crypto crashing yet again. Yay. Uh, Yet again or still? Well, it's uh, wasn't it crashing when we did our show on Monday, too? It was. And then it stabilized, went back up and it's crashing again today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Within four days. That's not volatile or anything. <laughs> no. I mean, this is a a very volatile system. I mean, people will point to again. Well, the same thing happens in the stock market, and that may be true. 
but usually there's some kind of reasoning behind that. And there's a little bit of reasoning with the crypto thing. Mainly, uh, they believe Joe Biden spooked a lot of people with the we're raising capital gains taxes up the ass. And a lot of people who had tons of money in crypto and they're going like, oh, wait a minute. I need to uh, I need to rethink this. The people with real money in crypto decided they have to rethink this, start pulling money out. And because of that, you had, I mean, Bitcoin was down. I mean, it's then they all take the same more or less. It's interesting to watch this because there's a bunch of different altcoins now. I've been talking about Cardano. We know about Ethereum along with Bitcoin, and they're all moving at about the same levels up and down. The Doge thing was different because that went way up and that went way down at this point. It may bounce back because that is completely on its own. And a lot of people were pointing to that same thing with the Doge coin, saying this is also a big part of what is causing people to rethink crypto on its entirety because it's like you look at what happened with dogecoin and go well this just looks like a scam and it is and it, it, yes it's a scam it's a scam it's gambling but, but you know what if they're all getting out good more for me yeah there's more in there but uh according to the one article on cnbc uh 200 billion was wiped out of the crypto market in a day <laughs> that's 200 billion dollars disappeared into yeah, nowhere. Yeah. I mean, not a currency, but okay. <laughs> no, well, that it's an interesting thing to watch at the very least. I mean, I've got the little thing. Oh, it's the, fascinating. On my, we, uh, we seem to have our segment every show. Well, it is because I mean, now it is. It's kind of like makes me feel like I'm in Vegas because I just look over at my stream deck every now and then, and I see the amount that I have in Cardano, and. uh it, it went down hundreds of dollars. It was up hundreds of dollars. I mean, it really is just like sitting in Vegas and watching, you know, all the money go in. Then, oh, I, oh, yeah, I, I got some back. Oh, and then it's going back in. Oh, wait, I want. Not, oh, yeah. Not for the faint of heart. No, no. And maybe this is why the Democrats want to take all of our guns away so that people don't have mass suicides all around every time their currency goes down by 40 percent. Yeah. And there was a story I read. And I'm sure there's a lot of these, just as I'm sure there are a lot of people who are probably offing themselves because they didn't know to get out of Doge when the getting was really good. Like our buddy Midas, he did that. He put, I think he told me he put like a grand into it and then made a bunch of money and then took his initial investment out. And now is just playing with what's left. And, you know, he bought his wife a nice Lego set. So that was really good. Midas, he was guilted into it. But there was a guy. So that's where all the crypto went. Yes, it was all Midas as well. There was a guy who did the meatus concept, but he put in his life savings, $180,000 into Dogecoin when it was at four cents and became a millionaire in like a month and a half, two months, whatever it was between the time it was four sure. cents and up to like 33 cents. Uh, and, and for every selection biased story of somebody making that much, how many stories are out there of somebody who put in you know, $10,000 and came out with $1,000 and millions, went, eh. <laughs> <laughs> millions and millions. And this is the Vegas comparison. It is. It, it is. Yeah. And they, they write all the stories about the winners in Vegas and don't mention that they're for every winner. There's 3 million losers. Oh yeah. You always see like, Hey, Chicago man won $15 million on jackpot. Nobody talks about the people that lose day after day after day, because 
That's not entertaining. The news doesn't want you to. In, in this case, you have to wonder again where the stories are coming from. Who's looking to pump money into this market? Who is really getting the money out of it? Because it's nice that folks like us and our buddy Metis, you know, made a little bit of cash out of this and can feel good. But for everybody that's making, you know, a few bucks on it, it's the rich folks, those evil rich folks that put in big bucks that are making a lot of money or, of course, losing. But well, that's it. Capitalism has failed. Let's all go to, to live in a socialist utopia, I guess. Well, you know, every story that I have, which is revolving around racism. By the way, that previous statement was sarcasm, just in case anyone decides to, to fact it check you it out of context. Racism, police brutality, climate change, capitalism, and they are now not even trying to hide their desire to combine all of these. It is. It is almost mind numbing. At well, this they've point. never particularly justified how they throw capitalism in as some kind of horrible evil, as if it's the root cause of it. Well, first of all, as if what we're seeing today in all the corporate corruption and public private partnerships is even capitalism. It's not. It's corporatism. Slight difference. A lot more corruption. <laughs> well, there is. And there's corruption, I would guess, in everything human beings touch. I don't think that's ever those going. bastards. I know there's people, Get rid of them all. They want to make money. They want to screw their fellow man or woman. Don't want to uh, don't want to be sexist. But the since we last had our show, we got the George Floyd verdict. And there's a few interesting things to go down. Well, on first, that. first of all, I'm going to say something that hardly ever happens around here. You were right. Really? Wow. What was I right about particularly? Uh, you you said that there was no way he was going to be found not guilty. You said oh, he yeah. was absolutely going to, you know, and I, and we we don't know how much it factored into that decision that, that the jurors, you know, after we have people in Congress going out and telling people to kill the jurors if they vote, if they go the wrong way. We have no idea how much that because. Because they did let the jurors go home. They let the jurors go watch the news. The jurors were able to go watch the news and see Maxine Waters saying, you know, you people need to burn down your city if they get the wrong verdict. We don't know how much that impacted the verdict of the jurors, but we do know that the defense is going to turn around immediately and appeal it and say, hey, by the way, this dipshit from Los Angeles was telling people to riot if they got the wrong verdict. and that." ruined the case and therefore turn it over on appeal well we got a case well yeah because you had 12 jurors from that area this is how our legal system works so you have 12 people that live in this area that understand if they bring a not guilty verdict and it does i don't even know how much of a not guilty they had to bring because there were three separate charges now if you would have brought any not guilty it's possible that that would have had your house burned down. That would have had people, I mean, you know, lose thing, you know, property or I, mean, I have I, I have an answer to that. They came back with guilty on all three counts and the left went fucking nuts and started rioting again. Yeah. I mean, they, wonder and, why. Right. I, I mean, they, they what a surprise. We've said so, you know, appeasement doesn't work. The the leftists in the city got what they wanted on every count. And still went and rioted some more and burned down some more. What what makes you think you can ever make these people happy? Well, it's because they don't want 
what they call justice is not what rational thinking people call justice. They want to use this as the start of, well, the whole system is obviously corrupt. The same thing with, well, you know, our whole country was founded on white supremacy. These documents have to be gotten rid of. That's why they're going after the Constitution. This is not about justice. And the argument could be made all day long whether Derek Chauvin was guilty or not, but he got a trial by his peers. I mean, he was guilty of being a cop. That might be enough in a lot of people's eyes. It is lately. And as we've talked about a billion times, the Weather Underground was pushing this since the 60s and 70s to pit the police against the regular folks, to pit the white against the black. But this was a media extravaganza. The number of people that watched this verdict, I mean, I've been following this, you know, what CNN and other networks have been pulling in as far as an audience after Trump left. And as we, we've talked about here, the numbers have gone way down. The, even the late night talk shows are barely getting a million people where Johnny Carson, I think, used to get like 17 million or more a night. So the audience on, on all of this stuff has really gone down. But the amount of people that watched this verdict was 23 million plus, which is. Just, That's more than the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, and it shows you how engaged people were with this case. And it is an interesting thing to watch the reaction. Greg Gutfeld gave the favorite, uh, the, the best reaction that I saw on Fox, and they all start yelling at him immediately. He said, you know, um, I'm not saying this was the wrong verdict. But even if it was the wrong verdict, he's like, I'm happy that it's guilty because my city won't be rioting and looting tonight. I don't know. Maybe that's New York that City might deserve it in that case. But right. You know, and that's what people all of a sudden like, oh, no, how can you say that? It's like, well, this is exactly if you if you, they're as human beings, if you're telling me that a juror that was sitting on this case did not have that enter their mind. I don't know. It would take some really a lot of fortitude and some really big cojones to be you know what i'm gonna go with not guilty because that's what i believe and damn it let the consequences of if you're watching the mainstream media you know what the consequences were going to be there was going to be massive violence how many cautionary tales have we heard how many how many tales from the bible how many star trek episodes have we seen where the moral of the whole episode is that it's not worth destroying the life of one man just for the greater good. And these people who are saying stuff like this are completely turning that around and saying, well, it's totally okay to just completely devastate an innocent man if it means that, uh, you know, all of these children are appeased. Yes. And I saw some police officers commenting. There was a, a meme put together that said when the verdict was read, Derek Chauvin stood up, put his hands behind his back and waited to be led away. They're like, just imagine if George Floyd would have done that. You'd be in a little bit of a different world right now. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, appealing to hypocrisy isn't even fun anymore with these assholes. <laughs> yes. 
Well, this is like, yes, we know it. You guys have a double standard where people who fit your narrative get a pass and people who don't fit your narrative get the microscope pointed at them. And it's not even fun anymore to point out how incredibly hypocritical the, the leftist narrative is anything, anything that hits the media and gets to run with the story, anything that that uh, a politician with a D next to their name says it is all pure hypocrisy and I don't know. I'm just so tired of pointing it out. Well, yeah, but, but it's important. I mean, in Ohio, we just had a cop that saved a young black girl's life, and he's a racist because he had to take another black girl's life to save the other one. And this is a hell of a story. This really is the epitome of everything wrong going on in this country and on the media. And people want to focus on the fact that there was a sick all you hear from the liberal media is 16 year old girl killed by cops none of them even want to mention the fact she had a knife in her hand and was about to stab it into another young girl leaving that part of the detail out and there was a breakdown of this on breitbart of nbc news the way that they covered this and they had the unedited audio, of course, which people can get for the 911 call. And they, when playing it on NBC, took the part out of the 911 call about the girl having a knife. I mean, how? <laughs> I mean, this, this I can't even understand. I hadn't heard this story, but it suddenly finally makes it make sense. The, the meme that I saw of a, an ultrasound with the baby in the womb holding a knife. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a, uh, this is just unbelievable that they took the part out about where there's somebody trying to stab us out of the 911 call. They also, it says here, uh, NBC didn't show viewers the knife in the attacker's hand just before the shots were fired. And if you've seen the video, there's, there, Great, clear video. I mean, it's disturbing because you see somebody get shot and killed, but you have very clear video that this girl had a knife in her hand and it wasn't like she was just yelling or wagging it around. She had pulled it back, which I mean, we all know what happens when you pull your hand back and then starts going to swing it forward. I mean, usually, you know, uh, you know this is you're you're exaggerating your masturbation, I, I guess. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah. This is. uh you know, they, when you take this kind of stuff out and they when they then did the report on this, this is how NBC covered it. They said just before yesterday's verdict, a police officer shot and killed a 16 year old girl, black girl in Columbus, Ohio, saying she was threatening others with a knife. That's what Lester Holt said, that they shot and killed a girl saying she was threatening others with a knife. What do you mean saying? There was proof. You had the video. You could see she had a knife in her hand, Lester. So when you go, oh, well, authorities said she was threatening other people with a knife. You have proof. Why would you say authorities say that she was threatening? Mainstream media are disingenuous assholes. Film at 11. Yeah, but this is but, getting but dangerous. Highly doctored. This is getting dangerous. This is getting completely dangerous. This is inciting violence. Douchebag LeBron James then came out targeting this cop with you're next or, you know, something like accountability. It's like, 
So now you're putting this cop's life in danger because he was doing his job and saved the life of another black girl. But LeBron, I doubt he even knows this because LeBron is a fucking moron. And these people go off without having any evidence to back up what they're saying because they know as long as you are a liberal douchebag and saying things that you know will fit the narrative that the mainstream media likes, nobody's ever going to call you on it. Nobody's ever going to expose you. And this is getting dangerous. Getting? Well, it's beyond dangerous, but it's escalating at a case, at a pace that is even surprising for those of us who have been watching this. Idiot Stacey Abrams said there was no justification for killing the girl without trying some intervention, regardless of what she may have been doing. So uh, having a knife. (laughs) Guess what, lady? Killing her is an intervention. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand. And, you know, there's, of course, people like, why didn't they use a taser? It's like this is the whole taser thing. We brought that up in the last episode. The whole taser thing is a, you know, it's a red herring in these cases because cops have to decide whether something is life threatening or not. And if it's not, I mean, if in their best judgments, it's not life threatening. Okay, then the taser can come out. But when somebody has a knife, well, more importantly, the the police officers, and this is this is an ability that is trained into most cops that I do not have. I I'm I don't have confidence that I would be able to do this part of their job. And that is the ability to assess an entire situation in a few seconds and determine, do I need to use lethal force or not? That is a tremendous responsibility, even if you have a lot of time to think about it. And they have to figure this out in a couple seconds and knowing for damn sure that no matter what they do in those couple of seconds, they are going to be second guessed by it. And then they're going to have the mayor of their city come out and say, I'm sure glad he was found guilty, even if he wasn't guilty, because it's the only way my city. I mean, being a police officer is the worst job in the world in America today because you are hated by everybody. And And when you have somebody that you do your job right, you get shit on for it. If you do your job wrong, maybe you'll get shit on. Yeah. And when you have somebody this high up in the Democrat Party saying that regardless of what this girl may have been doing. So say the girl had a gun and she was shooting people. Well, you're supposed to do something before you shoot her. I mean, you you have to take other steps. I, I don't understand when it's a life and death decision. When you're arriving at a situation where there has been a call about somebody trying to stab somebody, I think you go for the pistol and not the taser because tasers again if you miss then what then the other girl's dead this is where you really have a no-win situation because if that cop didn't act and that girl would have stabbed the other girl in the heart or in the neck and she would have died then you know you're right the cop would be getting crapped on because oh he just stood there and let her kill the other black girl because he doesn't he's obviously racist so he let the one kill the other that's you know this is the narrative the way it would be played out it is a no-win situation it is a no-win situation. Yeah. I, I I don't under like inertia and pension are quite possibly the only reason anybody has a being a, a police officer. I didn't bring it to the show, but I did see a story about how uh, the Seattle Police Department is currently down at about 
40 percent of their jobs are filled. The, the, the number of people that the police department thinks they need to police, they have 40 percent of that number. That's how many cops there are in Seattle right now, because they can't get anybody to apply to their openings. And I can't blame them. Who would want to be a cop in a, a leftist controlled city these days? Yes. I mean, this is you had people saying troubling that the officer didn't try to de-escalate the situation. Well, how do you de-escalate a situation when somebody's about to stab somebody? I don't know. I mean, I, you, you shoot them. That would seem to be the the option. And it was the one that was taken. I don't know. And it really shouldn't matter. The race of the neighbor across the street from this girl who had shouldn't a, matter. Right. But he had a security camera. He had the video. He provided it to the police. And his opinion after watching the video was the officer had no option but to shoot. So somebody, at least in the neighborhood, is saying somebody will at least stand up and say this isn't about race. This wasn't about age. If they provide that video to Lester Holt, do you think he'll retract his statements? No. I mean, Stacey Abrams said you have to vote for Democrats because Republicans, quote, will not stop men from murdering women of color. This is where it's going. With the Democrats, she she does have a point. The Democrats, they don't, you know, they don't choose what they would rather just, you know, they'll, they'll stop people from murdering women and men of color. They'll just, you know let people let let people who aren't cops murder everybody and then it's all good right I mean, well that I, is the amount of people when you look at the violence we talk about it every week about what's going on every, here in every chicago. week every monday we get the report from chicago and it every monday chicago sounds like a goddamn bloodbath now there is a database that track police shootings in america and believe it or not I think we may have talked about this, but it is compiled and hosted by the Washington Post, one of the most liberal newspapers in the world. But even they are accurate and show the reality of what's been going on when it comes to people dying at the hands of police. And over the last, well, I would say the last two years, but meaning that is in 2019 and in 2020 so not nothing with 2021 so for those two full years in that time there were 80 unarmed people at least they didn't have knives or guns i mean maybe he had a baseball bat or something but these were going down as unarmed deaths at the hand of police there were 80 deaths over those two years total 50 white people 30 black i mean this doesn't really sound like an epidemic that black people are being targeted and killed by the police. But if you turn on the mainstream media, what you well, hear is a completely I mean, different story. I, I mean, it's, it, it, it should be obvious by now to anybody who really is paying attention to statistics that the, the vast majority of people being killed by guns are being killed by people who aren't the police and generally people who don't register their guns. Because if, if I remember the law correctly, there are no guns in Chicago because they're illegal. Right. Exactly. So Chicago shouldn't have any gun crime. <laughs> right. There's none. They, yeah. they shouldn't even report it. I, you know, here here's a fun statistic I like pulling out once in a while is, uh, you know, you see the the people who advocate, you know, the anti Second Amendment crowd always advocate we should take away all guns because the United States with its gun culture has like the 
fourth highest per capita rate of of killings of murders in the world. And that one is true when you phrase it like that. But if you redo the statistics and you exclude about five cities, Chicago, Baltimore, New Orleans, all, you know, there, I, I don't remember exactly what all the cities are, but they're the cities with the highest gun crime. But if you take those cities, which just the top five cities for shootings who, oh, by the way, happen to every one of them has had Democrats in charge for more than 50 years. Every one of them. Um, if you exclude those, then we are the United States as a whole. All of the parts of the United States that aren't those Democrat run cities is like. Second or third from the bottom in yeah. per capita shootings and killings. That is an unfortunate statistic for people who want to push the narrative. And we have violence in this country. We have a violence problem. So we, so I guess what I'm saying is, is uh, having guns is not the the indicator of of gun violence and destruction. And in fact, if you want to draw a correlation, the number one indicator for extremely high crime rates with a very, very high correlation is the city is controlled by a Democrat. Well, this is what happens when you don't prosecute crimes. We talked about that with carjackings. We talked about that with shoplifting. This is all because that's all racist. You know, you can't go after people for committing crimes if they're people of color. It's like, no, how about everybody gets treated the same regardless of the color of their skin? How about that? How about having a nation of laws that everybody has to follow? In this case, I mean, I understand it was only a 16 year old. But again, we're told 16 year olds are so bright they can make gun legislation when they say guns are bad. But in this case, you had police on the scene and it wasn't like they just rolled up. There were multiple police at that scene out of their car when this girl decided to come barreling out and attack a girl. This is the dumbest thing you could possibly do when there are police officers on the scene. I mean, it's not even like you were in the middle of a fight and the cops showed up and you didn't know and you didn't see them. This was the case of you knew exactly what was going on, and it is a tragic result. But as we've talked about before, when do you make that distinction between child and adult? We talked about that in the case here in Chicago where the kid got shot after running from the police with a gun. This whole, oh, it was just a child. It's like, here, here's something, people. Don't let your kids be on the street with guns at 3 a.m., don't let your kids attack other kids with knives. How about that? I mean, those things, I don't think age should really now matter. You're, you're asking too much. You're asking for people to actually be parents. Right now, if that 16-year-old girl, and I know this is just a rude, horrible thing to say, if she was out just stabbing people left and right or shooting them left and right, would the story still be, oh, it was just a poor 16-year-old? I don't understand yeah. why the age is such a... Big deal. Now, if this was somebody just sitting around minding their own business who wasn't doing anything wrong, like a lot of the I mean, it's it's horrible here in Chicago. I mean, there was a story a few months back of a, a toddler, like one year old that was killed in a shooting on the expressway. This, you know, kids get caught in the crossfire. That's tragic when they're a teenager that's involved in gang activity or actively attacking somebody with a deadly weapon. 
their age doesn't really mean anything to me at that point. When they get shot and they deserved it, it's tragic, but also not unexpected. I don't think anybody should get shot, but it's going to happen because people can be shits to other people. If we all just got along and we lived happily in our socialist Roddenberry-esque utopia where nobody wanted for anything and everybody just had everything they wanted and nobody ever did violence to each other, then I, I, I mean, it wouldn't be humans. But I, I, I bet there wouldn't be tragedies like shootings anymore. But there are because we're people and people do terrible things to other people. And it's awful every single time somebody dies or somebody gets murdered. But if if you get killed because you're breaking into somebody's house, the amount of sympathy goes down immensely compared to if you get killed because somebody was you're you know, you're three houses over and a stray bullet came through. Right. Well, that's exactly it. Some personal responsibility. In the Troll Room, which is available while we do these shows live on Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern at NoAgendaStream.com. D.E. Metis of the Fun Fact Friday Show says, how dare you suggest I parent my child? Well, Metis, well, we know you. We know your child, Leela. And the yeah, reality is messed up that she kid. parents you. He's already messed up that kid anyway. He put no. her on a podcast. <laughs> she, I mean, she, I can't think of a worse fate. She is the one parenting him. There's no question. <laughs> this is what's going <laughs> on here. If you've listened to that show. She's the one who's like, no, dad, we need to let's get back on topic. Yes. So do a better job. Me Come on. Um, you you did. You brought up. Uh, you, you mentioned that that laws should not take race into account. And uh, I, I just wanted to pull up a story that I got uh, that was being talked about last night from uh, our friend, Sir Billy Bones, uh, which proves you entirely wrong. Um, the. <laughs> Uh, in in Washington State, the African American Reach and Teach Health Ministry is an organization which is uh, is a registered vaccine provider to roll out the COVID medications that everybody seems to be hot, hot about these days, and um, they are pro- accepting appointments, but they are only granting appointments to people with dark colored skin. And uh, a number of folks who uh, thought that maybe that might be uh, uh, discriminatory or racist. And of course it is, but it's against white people. And so uh, the there were complaints to the Washington Department of Health saying these people need to be told that when they're handing out vaccines, they need to hand it out to everybody, regardless of skin color. And the Department of Health uh, kind of hemmed and hawed and, and uh delayed a bit and then after being pushed a couple more times finally came out and said well uh if if the people are in a a uh you know uh, historically oppressed class then they need the medication more so it's totally okay that these people are taking into account skin color so I guess what I'm saying is that in so much as public policy is being made by health districts these days, it's totally legal to uh, deny whites access to medication just yeah. because based on skin color. Now, the, the comment made by Sir Billy Bones and, and I kind of agree with is this is one case where I'm kind of OK with being discriminated against in so much as I, you know, if it means that I'm not going to be getting this untested experimental unapproved medication yeah, but none of that then, is the point because if this is a treatment for something just imagine it the other way around which is a black person walks into a cvs or something and they're like no oh, sorry you're black you're not white we're not going to give you the jab 
We're not going to oh give you this God, treatment. It would be a story in every newspaper. Uh-huh. I mean, this is uh, this is where so, we're at, I guess. So uh, putting aside the fact that, uh, you know, I, I, I get a little bit of of humor and irony in the fact that I really don't want this. But if if this were a a genuine approved and needed medication for something and, and it was critically important that everybody get it, which a lot most of the people in Washington seem to think, then. This is excluding people based on race is uh, this is exactly the kind of thing that everybody who shouts racist in a crowded theater is fearing the worst is somebody coming out and saying your skin is the wrong color and therefore you can go die. Yeah, that that's exactly what's happening here. And because it happens to be in the one direction that the leftists are OK with racism then uh, even the health department's like, hey, this is cool. Well, it's because this is always the way it is with the left. I mean, you have black entertainment television, which is great. That's fine. You're filling a niche market. But if anybody tried to come out with white entertainment television, that wouldn't go over so well. well. The the obvious uh, uh, counter argument to that is, well, every other channel is white entertainment. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, which which, of course, isn't true. If you've ever looked at any of the garbage that's come out of Hollywood in the last five years. Yes. Oh, yeah. They've they've over they've they've overcorrected in a lot of the stuff that they're doing. We've talked about that just in the marketing of things like Victoria's Secret that all of a sudden you just went, wow, they're they've changed, which is fine. If that is I, your, I'm not even certain it's something that needed correcting, but no, man, they overed it. Well, yeah, they overed it. And I have no problem. There are so many different types of people, and it's not racist to admit that different people like different things. Overall, I mean, if you want to make generalities, you know, more white people like watching baseball, I believe, or football than watching basketball. So I understand if you're doing commercials, you're going to aim it at the audience that is your fan base. Different types of music overall. have different demographics. That's fine. How, how hilarious is it that marketing in 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 respect to what you just said, marketing is probably the most honest industry out there, right? They, they are one of the only places where you are going to see people actually telling the truth because it affects their pocketbooks. You're going to say, well, uh, we want to, you know, we want to market to black people and therefore we're selling in basketball. That would be an obviously racist statement if you were just to say it in any other industry. But in the marketing, it's like, well, it's because it's true and because it's true and we don't want to waste our money. I I don't know. You, you know how I feel about marketing. But in this case, it it's honesty saying this. It's it's honesty saying we're going to sell to where the market is, you know, and trying to market to the white community now in the United States. It's a very hard thing to do, even though the white market is still, what, 70-something percent, I believe, overall, when you look at the uh, the percentages, maybe down a little bit from that, from the demographics, but it's a, still a majority. But no, you can't. I mean, when's the last time you saw just white people in a commercial? It's like, then it's fine. No, uh, no. I saw some some crappy B-level Netflix movie. Well, I, saying the word Netflix implies all the <laughs> others. But, yes. Uh, Where it was set in, I don't know, like Alaska, northern Alberta or somewhere like somewhere that was frozen tundra wasteland. 
And the cast was five people. Uh, there was one white man, uh, one white woman, one Latino woman, uh, one black person and one uh, Chinese woman or some Eastern Asian. And I'm sitting here going, if you're in northern Alberta, then everybody up there looks like a grizzled bearded piece of leather. That's <laughs> right. the people you see in the backwoods up there because nobody, you know, no, very few other people want to do that. It. It's just this is the demographics of what's there. How did you get such an incredible multicultural cast of people who all just happen to be in this backwoods far north town? Well, and this is and it's it's Hollywood demographics. Yes, it is. And it's not unintentional on uh, Bill O'Reilly show. And I always like to bring him up because I know that annoys some people. He had a, it. I, oh. he had a quote from the woman that works for ABC, ABC slash Disney in charge of the programming. So she's the one looking for new series. You know, she's the one in charge on what you see. And she was very honest and said there have been some really good ideas brought to her for shows, but they weren't diverse enough. So they said, no, they won't make them. And I just don't understand this because when you're talking about storytelling, which is what television is, what is what fiction is, movies, you know, I grew up where I lived was a whole mainly white neighborhood. So, you I mean, you can't tell that story. I mean, people that grew up in a completely black neighborhood. Well, that's not diverse enough either. I don't understand this. We have to lie. We can't be honest. I mean, everybody should strive to judge people on their content of their character and not the color of their skin as martin luther king well, jr with, said with, but with hollywood and disney i think the, i mean there has been an agenda and i don't think it's been hidden i think it's a public agenda of normalizing things like this for uh, 25 years and it's they, well it's been a lot more late but it's like i remember and again i didn't really even think much of this i mean as a kid i remember watching good times and uh and what's happening and all that. And it's like, I never thought like, oh, and I don't know. I don't remember enough about the shows to be like, well, were they, you know, were they being honest? Were they making light of things? Were they belittling? I, I don't remember them being. I remember them as good comedies. That, I mean, I, uh, I grew up in a, a semi-rural area outside of Portland, Oregon, which uh, oh, I'm sorry. You know, for, for as woke as Portland wants to be, uh, the vast majority of its history, it was it was the whitest place on Earth. And. Uh, I I will admit that uh, you know I we we had one friend of the family who happened to have dark skin and he lived in in Seattle um but I, I, and and we went on vacations with him it wasn't I, I didn't have any problem with it you know it was it was very briefly to to four year old me it was very briefly you know we had the conversation that it, this is as far as it went huh your skin doesn't look the same as the others yeah that's because I'm different okay. And then we just went off and went water skiing or something. It was great. Little Bemrose has never accepted anything that quickly. There were at least 14 questions that I'll ask the same thing. Oh, probably. But I was annoying. I mean, all of them. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. But um, beyond that, the only black people I'd ever seen were on television. And, uh, you know, like like the local local Portland news had a, a black anchor. Why? Because they had to. This was the 1980s. <laughs> Of course, but there, there weren't a, I don't know, you know, I went to high school and there were, you know, 97% whites. Okay. Does that make me racist? Uh, 
by some definitions, but does does that mean that that all of my experiences are invalid? No, of course not. I had high school experience with other people and I mean, they're people. I don't know. Well, yeah. And I went to high school in Chicago and actually in the city limits of Chicago, which I went to an all boys Catholic high school. So it was really no fun, but it was quite a bit more diverse than my junior high was. But I didn't have a problem getting along with anybody. There was uh, like anything else. This is the which I still don't understand the people that have the disconnect from this. I mean, there were some black kids that I really liked and there were some that I didn't. There was there was one kid I was like, let me borrow your homework, man, because he was the smartest kid I knew. I didn't care whether what you know, what color of his skin was. And then there were some, you know, the people just like the white kids. Some of them were assholes causing trouble and some, you know, it's. This is people are just people this. I don't understand the differentiation that. And that's uh, exactly the point is, is in in the 80s, like I mentioned on last show in in the 80s, we were less than one generation out from the civil rights movement and all of that entailed and all of the advances. And in the 80s and early part of the 1990s, I think we, we reached a local minimum in the actual amount of racial strife. Because we, you know, our parents had grown up and participated and seen exactly what comes of, uh, of uh, segregation and, uh, you know, open wide. They, they defeated racism in the 1960s. We grew up, we, uh, you know, Gen X are the most colorblind generation that we've had in a hundred years in America because our parents we're so gung ho about making sure that we not discriminate based on race. And I don't know what the hell happened after that, but somewhere along the line, the next generation took up the mantle and said, well, there's not enough racism in the world. Let's add some or something like that. I don't, I don't know what happened. Well, it is because it all goes back to pushing for the Marxist ideology and that you can't have people getting along. You need to have the strife. And it's that sad it. that people are being used like that as pawns who don't understand it and i don't know if it's ever going to change because the reality is most people don't have a very long attention span right now and they don't follow things beyond headlines and as we've talked about seemingly a thousand times or more the headlines don't often give you the true story of what's involved in the article if you're talking about just headlines in a newspaper or on a website and people just don't look any further. They buy into so much of this stuff. Now, there is racism in the country. I don't think there's any question about that, but I think it's a minority of the people. And it's it's something that isn't just white folks. This is something that never gets talked about because I guess it's so politically incorrect, is that there are black people who are racist. There are Asian people that are yeah, racist. No. <laughs> you believe it or not. You know, it's a human condition. It's not something that is unique to well, again, any one the, demographic. I, I'm 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 finding out that the number, you know, the number one statistical correlation with people exhibiting objectively racist behavior these days is well, probably the number one indicator of it is is reading that book that uh um uh, I don't remember her name, the the book that said, you know, please hate yourself if you're white or whatever it is. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. The, the, Robin D'Angelo. Yes. Yeah. If you've read that book, then you're exhibiting openly racist behavior. 
Um, you know, the other number one indicator is if you voted for Joe Biden, then uh, there's a good chance that, you know, there, there it's a strong indicator that you are going to exhibit openly racist behavior. Now, is that behavior the, the new redefined version of racist that says only whites can be? No, no. Obviously, you're following exactly what you're supposed to there. But openly racist behavior like like making decisions about people based on their skin color and nothing else and then taking action based on that. Boy, that used to be called racist until they decided to redefine it. Right. Until they decided that uh, it was something totally different. I mean, Biden is uh, is pretty much the new Obama. I guess he kind of gets uh, grandfathered into all this because yeah, was, that was just the thing. white. That was the whole thing. Well, with Obama, maybe. But. When you were against him and his policies, you were racist. You're getting the same thing. Obama was the whitest black man in the country. You were for Trump, so you were racist. You were, uh, you know, we have uh, stories on climate change, but, uh, you know, that's all about racism. Everything has been turned in to being about racism. And the the thing I thought was interesting also on O'Reilly, before we close the O'Reilly door, that, uh, you know, he said, you know, there is racism in America. And his guess was that about 20 percent of the country is racist. And I thought that was a little high, but maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe again, high. yeah, maybe because we are coming from uh, a slightly different generation. But I mean, we're the you know middle age now. So I, I, I mean, I guess the question is, do you count the people who read Robin D'Angelo's book <laughs> and think, yeah, this is a pretty good idea. If you count them, then maybe that number might be. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's. It's going to get worse, I think, because of the stuff that is being rammed down people's throats. When you hear somebody that runs programming at ABC say, you know, basically, I mean, reading between the lines here, but it was basically, well, yeah, there were a lot of great shows with white casts and stories, but, you know, not diverse enough. So we we just booted them. So it's no longer. Did you come to us? with a good show did you come to us with a good story did you come to us with an idea people would find interesting now it's oh it's a crappy show but you know what no we got three blacks and a asian and three are gay and one's transgender oh wow yes that's what we're going with i don't even know what it's about we're going with that i'd like to think that the talented screenwriters and the talented creators out there are no longer bothering to go to hollywood or to disney with these ideas for knowing that they will get horribly warped and twisted. The the people who understand that uh, are, I mean, they're going to, to private equity firms, you know, all, all of the best uh, TV series are, are made in uh, Vancouver or Georgia or somewhere. They're not made in California anymore. I mean, all those uh, places that require ID to vote. Uh, honestly, the best, uh, most of the best content isn't even coming out through Hollywood channels anymore. There is, uh, if, if you want the best new content being made these days, it's probably on YouTube and it's probably really hard to find. <laughs> you mean just I need op- to start closing my tabs when I'm done reading them. I, I had this story about the department of health up and I glanced over and one of the sidebar stories there, which just made me all kinds of angry again is it says Governor Inslee says proposed capital gains tax is a very reasonable proposal. Fuck you, Inslee. Yeah, well, they want more money, more money, more money, more money. To All of this spending is going to come at a great cost. What we're seeing right now in the Bitcoin and crypto markets is going to be seen in the stock market. It's going to be seen in the economy. It's all 
coming due to Joe Biden's policies. And I don't know if Joe even understands where he is because he's still only doing like 10, 20 minutes worth of stuff a day. And he's saying things that totally contradict things he said, even on the campaign trail. They're totally contradict things he said as a senator and vice president. So I don't know who's pulling the story. I kind of have an idea who's pulling the strings, but I think it literally is at this point. Joe Biden, a befuddled old man who I don't even know if he really knows he's president that is being (laughs) fed information and signing things because I don't know. I mean, he's being he's being held in that maximum security facility there in Washington, D.C. these days. Oh, did you I mean, he made a short little uh, comment. I think it was yesterday, maybe two days ago. And maybe it was on the George Floyd verdict. And Kamala Harris was standing behind him with a mask on. And the whole thing seemed very Orwellian. My wife's like, it looks like she has a gun on him. I'm like, maybe she does. And it was <laughs> it was very weird just to have him. And it wasn't like he had a group of people behind him. Like, you know, Trump sometimes had like 15 people that were all part of whatever he was talking about and that he might call up to the podium. There was nobody else. It was just Kamala Harris standing there with a you mask they on. Need. They, they need some of those cardboard cutouts they have at the MLB games. Maybe that would work. But uh, Kamala Harris did finally figure out the you know what the problem is with migration. Do you know why all of these people are coming to America? Kamala Harris has figured it out. Uh, I, I've got a pretty good idea. But what does she think? <laughs> She's probably wrong. I'm sure she is. Well, I mean, what would you think? What would Kamala Harris well, come I, up with? If I, you- I think that the, the, the combination of the two Democrat policies is, is a recipe for the destruction of a society. The combination being a, a very, very wide public handout program where anybody just by having a pulse gets free handouts combined with a very permissive immigration system where everybody is allowed to come in results in the mass massive numbers of the lowest quality immigrants coming in and becoming a drain on your society now but i'm betting that's probably not kamala harris's excuse no the reason these people are leaving their countries and coming to the united states isn't really that they're poor it's not because they're you know being persecuted politically it's not to make a better life i mean that would be that would be the rah-rah answer is they want to come to America to make a better life for themselves. But that would make America a good country. So we can't say that Joe Biden, well, I believe, may have been the first president ever when he made those remarks on the George Floyd trial to bash America and call it a racist country, which is bullshit, because I don't think this is a racist country. You're going to have to show me some stats. Well, I, but I, I don't either. But a great many of the people who voted for him and whose support he cares about do think it is these days they seem to believe that because they're being lied to but the reason why all of these people are leaving their homes to come to america is climate change is the climate not changing in america or is it only changing i I, I it's climate change quote we're looking at extensive storm damage because of extreme climate we're looking at drought uh, again, we're looking but, at the I mean, issue is of climate, climate change resil- affecting s- certain political organizations more than others or certain places or I don't know, like 
Like, is the climate only changing in in Central America, and that's why all these people are coming up, and not because of all the free shit that Biden keeps promising them? I guess so. But this also just shows you where there's going to be a lot more money going to climate change because it's not going to be to save the planet now just anymore. It's going to be we can solve all of these issues. I bristle at the idea of my money being wasted on climate change, (laughs) but I bristle at the idea of my money being wasted on anything. I am more bothered by shit like this Bill Gates thing where he's he's trying to facilitate changing the climate by putting a bunch of stuff in and bringing about a new ice age. Right. Yeah, we, we want to we want to block that out. That so, one bothers me a little bit more than just having my money wasted. Not that I'm not angry about my money being wasted, but I do know that if the Democrats weren't raising taxes and wasting it on climate change, they'd raise taxes and waste it by sending it to some cronies overseas or or waste it by starting new wars in sandy places or or waste it by giving it a, a government handout to only their own voters who happen to have the right skin color or something. I mean, they'd find ways to waste it. Oh, of course. Of course. And uh, this is part of the new narrative. Now we've we've taken climate change and we've made that racist, because if you don't want these people to come in, you're going to be a climate change denier and a racist. It's a great double dip. But there is another young activist in the in the same school as Greta Thunberg. And this is a uh, Mexican girl, 19 years old, who spoke at the uh, invited to speak at Joe Biden's virtual climate summit on Thursday, who said, quote, the climate crisis is the result of those perpetrating and upholding the harmful systems of colonialism, oppression, capitalism and market oriented green wash solutions this sounds like your average 19 year old girl doesn't it but uh when you look at what she's saying or listen to what she's saying it sounded like she was reading from a script i'm sure but we're blaming again for the climate crisis we're blaming it on colonialism oppression and capitalism and market oriented green wash solutions those words those words were all focus groups those they that isn't that isn't the words of a 16 year old girl. That was 19, that was the words of 19. Well, wasn't it wasn't the words of, of one person right out of high school. That was the words of somebody who, who focused grouped and, and decided to do, do studies on how much propaganda and what words give the right. Yeah. That, that came out of a PR firm, but colonialism and oppression and capitalism. I mean, you can at least make, I guess, a case that capitalism pollutes, but then, you know, you just make those companies not pollute. I don't think anybody's against clean air, clean water, but there's a difference between what I think I consider polluting when people are like, oh, it's carbon emissions. It's like, well, that means every human on the planet is spewing garbage every time they exhale. And well, I guess and I don't believe that's the case. But, um, but but every human on the planet isn't as bad as as uh, some of our public infrastructure like every human on the planet isn't as bad as every cargo ship on the planet for example and every cargo ship on the planet isn't even can't even hold a candle to uh this volcano that's been constantly spewing lava in iceland for four weeks now she says the climate crisis is so violent and has exacerbated so much injustice and it's the biggest challenge humanity has ever faced (laughs) really Really? Yeah. No, no. The biggest challenge humanity has ever faced is coming up on us. It's Marxism. Yeah. And she also said this. I thought this was great. Quote, you need to accept that the era of fossil fuels is over. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, we haven't run out yet. <laughs> we haven't reached peak oil yet. <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, I do understand, but this is all being tied together in a I, stew of destruction. All of this know, racism, all the, of this the, climate change, all of this oppression. I mean, this is this is really scary stuff. I'm really all right with coming up with alternatives to fossil fuels because it it, it is uh, it is a bit of a bottleneck and energy infrastructure and, and energy is probably the uh, number one requirement and, and bottleneck for uh, moving an economy forward. Every single time, for example, that a government raises taxes on energy um, that necessarily and automatically makes everything more expensive, instant inflation, instant economic depression, downturn, because energy is so critical to everything that happens, every bit of human activity these days. And yes, I am all for coming up with alternatives to fossil fuels, but let's talk reasonably. Let's not just say, oh, wind power, and then put up a hundred thousand windmills that all if once you count their manufacture, they cost more to put up than they will ever make in their lifetime or 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 throwing solar panels up on top of roofs in Seattle saying I'm saving the environment when the sun never shines out here. Um, they, let's talk reasonable. Let's. Well, right. OK, no fossil fuels. How about nuclear? Oh, we can't talk about that. Well, if you are not willing to talk about nuclear, then I don't believe that uh, I then you are disingenuous about wanting to come up with a solution to fossil fuels. Well, if, yes. If you want to get away from fossil fuels and you are not willing to open the door on nuclear power, then you are not are you're not coming to the table in good faith. Well, you've hit on it. Exactly. And that's what it is. This is pushing a narrative to get what you want. But the things that are inconvenient for them, like nuclear energy, which is proven to be safe, which and uh, and very effective. Well, no, we, we can't. Well, have it's, that. it's proven to be relatively. I mean, there are yeah, certainly well, yeah. risks, but the risks are at this point with modern designs, the risks are on par with or lower than the risk of creating a gas fired plant or or certainly the ongoing risk of of polluting the atmosphere with a coal plant or something like that. And and they're certainly safer for birds. Well, yeah, you don't want to get into that big blade. But I mean, I think <laughs> electric cars are a great idea. They're just not ready for prime time yet. This concept. I so want an electric car, but I'm yeah. not willing to drive around a smartphone. Well, or one that may explode if the battery gets. Uh, yeah, you know, hit, we could all uh, we could all start driving tractors. <laughs> that would be a lot slower, I think. But uh, yeah. Oh, no, that's one of my stories. That was my that was my version of a segue. That was a really bad segue. I went into that segue with a chainsaw. It was awesome. <laughs> you went into it and but you're coming out with only like one limb missing or something. <laughs> OK, well, I didn't do it right. But, you know, tractors be like that. Uh, no, if you happen to be a farmer and you have uh, purchased a tractor from John Deere in the last. Oh, say 25 years, um, then uh, there is a good chance that you. Uh, that all of your personal data has been breached. So just another story of a breach. You know, John Deere doesn't sell farm equipment anymore. They sell uh, uh, computers with attachments for oh, working the ground. They sell they smell, sell smartphones. They sell devices that phone home to see if your subscription is still working every time you try to start it. Um, they sell, you know, they they have official John Deere licensed 
repair people who are the only ones out there uh, will, uh, that are allowed to open up the hood on your tractor these days. They have gone so far in. John Deere has become a Silicon Valley company. And one of the things that they've done is, uh, of course, there's an app. There's always an app. Um, the API on their website through the app, um, as reported by a researcher named Sick Codes, uh, reported on April 13th. John Deere actually fixed it on Wednesday, which is why this became an article. It was in Motherboard. Um, their API on their website allowed you to remove you you send a request and their their website required you to log in to get to most of these pages and the login would set a cookie and they didn't seem to realize that a client could just delete the cookie after logging in and visiting the page because if you delete the cookie and then provide someone else's user id it just shows you their account and uh, there was, as far as the researcher could tell, there was no API throttling whatsoever, and it would allow you not only to view the account of any user you wanted, but certain pages would actually allow you to enumerate all of the accounts of anybody that had ever purchased a John Deere tractor. Or So, um, for every vehicle John Deere had sold for the last 27 years, uh, the vehicle owner's name, physical address, unique equipment ID, or VIN number um, were all just available to anybody who knew how to delete a cookie in their browser well it's a great idea to have all this kind of information online isn't it aren't we glad these companies are collecting so much about us well john deere was one that actually had a firmware thing in the tractor wasn't that something where if you you couldn't get it updated or you had john deere has always been right at the center of the right to repair controversy that's right Um, that's what we talked about because for for hundreds of years farmers have always as a class have been the kind of people where you use your farm equipment and you go out and if a part breaks, then you go fix it. And then you keep plowing because uh, in in general, you've got, you know, you've got this much field to plow and you've got a window of three weeks to do it. And if you don't do it in that three weeks, then your entire harvest is ruined, which means that if something breaks during the middle of harvest, you have got to get it fixed immediately. And most farmers are not willing to, to put in a call to John Deere and have them say, well, sometime between, you know, 8 a.m. and and two weeks from Thursday, we might send somebody out. Most farmers are not interested in in letting in waiting that long. For one thing, they they can't because if if they don't get it fixed immediately, they lose part of their harvest. And that is lifeblood for a farmer. So John Deere came out with this change that said, Farmers are not allowed to repair their own things, and this is not a popular change with farmers. Um, now, they've been pretty quick. If you happen to live close to a deer, John Deere dealership, they're pretty quick about getting somebody out there the day or the next day. But that's still unsatisfying for a lot of people who have, as as a rule, have always had the culture of fixing their own stuff. And to be told not, you know, it, it's one thing to be told, oh, it's all in a computer. You might not be able to. But people can figure that stuff out people can reverse engineer um john deere has used the dmca to actually sue farmers who reverse engineered the code in their own tractors to try to get them running before the end of harvest well yeah i mean cars used to be pretty easy for people to work on you know maybe you read a manual you did a few things it was a simple machine that has only really been screwed up over the past few decades because of emissions because of climate change 
because of pollution that have turned these cars into more of like smartphones, as you say, computers rather than just mechanical things, which makes them way harder for the average person to work on. Makes it a lot costlier to work on. Yeah. A lot costlier. Yeah, it is. Uh, And and you need special equipment. I mean, you know, I I, I remember back in what? Ninety one ish. I don't know. It it was I wasn't really driving by then, at least not not legally. But um, when the cars all started to switch over to you, instead of being able to just read the dashboard or, or read a dipstick under there, you know, they had computers in them and the computers had codes. So if something went wrong, you had to have a custom thing that you plugged into a special port under the dashboard in order to read what the heck the com- the car had wrong with it. And this this was a change that happened when I was a kid. And we're looking at this like my dad, who made damn sure before I was even able to drive that I knew how to change the oil, how to change a tire, how to check all the fluids in a vehicle, because he wanted to make sure that I knew how to maintain a vehicle. And all of that information that my dad was really good about departing, imparting to me is not that useful in today's world where every computer is a, a you know, a, a Pentium 486 with uh, wheels attached. Yeah, it makes it a lot less user serviceable. My first vehicle was a 1977 Oldsmobile Delta 88. Now, you want to talk about a Land Cruiser. Oh, yeah. It was. uh, Hey, I'm still driving the spiritual successor to that. I've got a 2001 Buick. Oh, well, that's that's right up there, which which, uh, you know, at this point, I might still be driving well into 2030 because the damn thing uses gasoline. The uh, the top speed on the car is listed as 94 miles an hour. Oh, the good old days when you couldn't get a car over 100. <laughs> yeah, well, my Buick goes 110. Hey, I well. know that because there's a governor in it. <laughs> and the 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 first time I ever tried to go over 110, I was uh, I was actually in the city of Seattle. It was 3 a.m. on the freeway. Well, so I can understand you were trying to get out. Yeah, I was trying. In fact, I was. It was uh, um. Uh, east of Seattle, there's, you know, there's a big lake, but the freeway going east out of Seattle is on a floating bridge and uh, floating means that it is dead flat. Like you drop, you come out of uh, the city and you go down a little hill and then it hits dead flat for two miles. And, it, you know, in a place where there's this many hills, dead flat is hard to come by. And uh, I came out of that. Uh, there was a tunnel before it and I came out of the tunnel doing about 90 and I just floored it going down that hill. Cause of course I was young and didn't think about cops. And <laughs> now you think about it all the time. I got about halfway across the bridge, just cruising with my brand new, beautiful car. And suddenly the accelerator got all spongy and the tachometer dropped to idle and the car started slowing down. I'm like, fuck, what did I just break? <laughs> everything and and everything kicked back in once i got down to about 85 but that that was when i learned i had a governor on my car your car will tell you you cannot go that fast and of course i researched how do i take the governor off and then i thought about it and i'm like i would like to just to say that i had but at the same time how many times am i actually going to need to go that fast probably not so it's still on there yeah because the governor doesn't uh you know, unlike some governors, it doesn't phone into the cloud and it doesn't pass unconstitutional legislation. So, so you're the, saying that it wasn't spying on you? To like my knowledge. Now, are. the car did come with a technology called OnStar, 
which Ooh. had a, a one button push that yes. I push on the rear view mirror. How can we, which help would you? immediately call a call center using a cell phone. And actually, I think uh, it, it was an, it used an analog cell phone technology, which stopped working in about 2007. But well right. before then, I had found the OnStar computer cluster and disconnected it because nobody wants that. We show your car is upside down. We are sending help. Well, they actually did have one where they would automatically initiate a call to me if they detected that my airbag deployed. See, that's a nice thing. It's a, it's a neat idea. And if they can't contact you, then they send emergency. I mean, that's a cool feature. That's that that's the the one cool feature that justifies including all of this other tech that can be used. You know, the it was I, I don't I don't remember if my car has this or not, but I guarantee that modern cars do where uh, a system like that. If if the police contact and we talked about this when we were talking about uh, self-driving cars, if the police contact the call center and say, uh, we don't like what this person did, can you shut off their engine? And suddenly your engine is off. You know what? I, I don't need that. But the police do not need they can deploy a damn spike strip if they want me to stop yeah you want to evade those cops well it's kind of like the the 802.11 bf that i talked about an hour ago where uh you know what what why would you want your wi-fi to detect you well obviously the the proposed solution the the proposed scenario where you would want your wi-fi to be able to track everywhere you walk in your house is well obviously as you as you go through your house, every time you enter a room, it should turn off the lights in the room you left and turn on the lights in the room you entered. And for that convenience, we we want to institute all of this new technology that lets you spy on your neighbors and yeah. and, and tells you exactly where you are in your house and when you're peeing and what you're, you know, if if the if the detection is good enough, they can probably read which keys you're typing on your keyboard. So that means a hacker will be able to use your Wi-Fi in order to get your password. I, I mean, there's a lot of invasive technology just for the privilege of not having to flip a damn switch when I walk through a room. And did you know the post office is uh, spying on you now via social? Well, not maybe you, but not me. It's uh, spying on I, But I knew that because they have an app. Well, beyond the app, there is a program called iCop, which is, <laughs> I mean, this is a, uh, icop yeah icop icop or (laughs) i mean really it's uh internet covert operations program internet covert operations program covert covert yes this was just this new stuff has come to light it is the law enforcement arm of the u.s postal service which i bet you there's a lot of people out there who didn't even know that there was a law enforcement arm of the United States Postal Service, but a recent report from Yahoo News alleges that the law enforcement division of the U.S. Postal Service has been quietly running a program that tracks and collects American social media posts, including those related to protests and other gatherings. So people who think that you're not being watched or and how exactly are they doing this? They are going through social media and logging things, I guess. The surveillance efforts. I mean, anybody could do that. Yeah. Well, it's uh, the government keeping tabs on this stuff. The program involves analysts searching through social media sites, according to Breitbart, to look for, quote, inflammatory postings. According to internal documents, the information is then shared across governmental agencies. So 
I mean, the bottom line is it seems that the post office has some employees that do nothing but look at social media and flag people if they think they're saying things Don't that are they questionable. Have, like packages to deliver. Why do you think they're always like, so late? Maybe they could cut down that eight to 10 business days if they dedicated some of their effort to doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, this is this is scary stuff. Like the bulletin included screenshots of posts from Facebook, Parler, of course, Telegram and other social media sites discussed uh, that were discussing recent protests, saying ICOP analysts are currently monitoring these social media channels for any potential threats stemming from the scheduled protests and will disseminate intelligence updates as needed. This is okay, so you know, the weirdest thing about this is that it's coming from the post office. I mean, uh-huh. I absolutely expect that that multiple three letter agencies are scanning every single Facebook post out there, probably with Zuck's permission and 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 reporting that to. But but like you expect this from the NSA, whose entire existence is let's spy on every American or the FBI, who need to constantly be scanning social media so that they can find their next rube to to propagate the six-week cycle but the post office which i thought was weird they did the icop folks did provide a general statement on its authorities to yahoo news which says uh, quote the u.s postal inspection service is the primary law enforcement crime prevention and security arm of the u.s postal service again i didn't know they had one as such the u.s postal inspection service has federal law enforcement officers postal postal inspectors who enforce approximately 200 federal laws to achieve the agency's mission protect the u.s postal service and its employees infrastructure and customers enforce the laws that defend the nation's mail system from illegal or dangerous use and ensure public trust in the mail yeah i don't know uh i don't know if i have a lot of trust in the mail but it says the internet covert operations program is a function within the u.s postal inspection service which assesses threats to post Postal Service employees and its infrastructure by monitoring publicly available open source information. This is just weird. Like I said, I expect all of that, like all of that privacy invasion, I expect from the government. I absolutely expect from Facebook because nothing you described is as bad as, as Facebook is turning their fact checkers on private posts between two people. Oh, yeah, I saw but that too. The post office? Yeah. okay sure why not one more government agency that you thought you could trust but no so you have a job working for the post office and they're like what what would you want me to do today well just go through social media and if you see anything weird just write it down maybe this is the uh the their outreach program for people that they want to keep busy so that they don't go postal maybe to protect the postal employees because that is the thing it's just weird it is very uh, strange. Sir, Sir Farmer Todd just posted in NAS that he uh, he really liked the conversation from the John Deere tractors. And uh, he, he sent he's sending these messages from the tractor spreading manure right now. So yeah, you go, Farmer Todd, because uh, those of us who live in cities would starve to death without you. I appreciate you a hell of a lot more than most of my neighbors. Yeah. And it's a job that has to be done that doesn't get enough credit. That, like you said, if if all the farmers just stop, there's a big food problem in this country. And there still is a food problem right now. It's it's strange. I don't know what you're noticing there in Seattle or what any of our experts are noticing around the United States. 
but there's still weird outages and shortages at the grocery store, including the grocery store we normally go to last week didn't have any chicken breast. I mean, it was weird. I mean, the one right down the street had plenty and they were delicious, but there's there's a weird breakdown in some of the distribution lines, I guess, and it's still hard to get certain products and things go out of stock, which is something that I know first world problems. It's something that before COVID, when's the last time you went into a grocery store like, oh, I want to pick up a box of whatever, and they didn't have it. I I think before COVID might be the last time I willingly went into a grocery store. Well, there's there's reasons for that, too. And I do like the delivery services uh, overall, although the last time we ordered for delivery, the order got stuck in the system. And now I know to always look for the confirmation email immediately after placing an order because we placed the order and it was like, well, okay. uh, Actually, that's not entirely true. I I have. I have almost entirely abandoned my local Safeway. If if we want a shopping trip from there, then it's it's Lisa who goes in because she doesn't mind for the purpose of being able to integrate with society, putting on a diaper. Um, I mean, she minds it, but she's willing to do it. How about she that? put on a mask as well or just the diaper? <clears throat> yeah, that's what I said. Oh, OK. Um, My local QFC, though, for some reason, uh, I've been in there maybe three times. And nobody said anything, which means that if I go out for a, a pint of milk or something, um, uh, uh, yeah, milk, it will go with that. Um, that's where I go. And uh, I don't know. I, I How weird is it? And I, I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, changing your behavior to only go to places that don't harass you about not wanting to follow the bullshit. Well, see, but it's you, and I think people have always harassed you no matter way before COVID, just because you're you. Uh, yeah, you got a point. But yeah, I don't. Maybe we should go talk about some experts. Yeah, see, I don't usually leave the house anyway, so it's a lot. It's a lot easier. Good point. Why am I talking to you? <laughs> For me, I'm just like I don't want to leave the house. Why would I want to leave the house? I have everything I need here. I have all the TV I could possibly want to watch on my NAS. Not. Well, I tell I tell you what, the most, <laughs> the best thing we had before this whole COVID thing started, we ended up going out to a local butcher in a, one of the uh, well, one of the farms outside the city, and uh, we ended up buying a cow. And what? we also uh, a <laughs> couple of years living ago, in the backyard or what? No, no, we had him chop it up and oh. wrap up each piece individually. Oh. And yeah, uh, we've got a, a full size, full fridge size freezer downstairs. That was completely full at the beginning of this, and it's uh, it's quite a lot emptier now, but uh, it, we were able to avoid a hell of a lot of trips to the grocery store by just slowly eating frozen meat that we already had. Uh, if anybody has an opportunity to invest in an industrial sized freezer and just go out and buy beef by the head and, and you know, if you find a you, you'll pay. You pay money for the you, you just buy a cow and then you pay the butcher something to and he'll just chop it up and hand you like here. Here's an entire wheelbarrow full. Make sure you get into the freezer soon. <laughs> I, I, it's an awesome way to get meat. Yeah, we have a Love it. We, we order from a, a butcher here who I think we talked about this early on because they pivoted. They were a company that was mainly they always had a little retail storefront. But a vast majority of what they were doing was supplying local restaurants with steaks and you know the other kind of meats that they have. And then COVID hit yeah. and everybody and was no, closed. No restaurants. Right. So they started offering 
And it was, I mean, it was a great deal, way better than Amazon. It's like if you ordered, you know, over like 50 bucks or a hundred bucks when you're buying steaks, that's not hard to do. It was free delivery within, you know, like 30 miles, 20 miles, whatever. And they actually had their employees out delivering the stuff. And when you say when you say COVID hit, what you really mean is that the unconstitutional lockdowns hit. Oh, and by the way, there was a seasonal flu going around. No, nobody died of the flu. Right. But everybody's saying it's because of the math. This is the craziest thing is a last side note here is everybody's like, well, you see all of the hygiene and all of the masks. This is why the flu was way down. Yet they don't want to explain why COVID is hitting pre like pre mask mandate highs again <laughs> because this the, the logic doesn't make sense if the masks are working then- oh yeah that that was the other statistic i pulled out of uh of the washington state department of health while i was poking around their site uh and i, I bet you can guess this one how many people in washington do you think have died of the flu so far this year zero that is absolutely correct Woo! we have managed to completely eradicate the disease it's interesting isn't it yeah that's so awesome it doesn't seem to make sense. But yeah, that's what we did with the meat and with from the butcher here. All of it is packaged steak by steak in the nice vacuum sealed packages. So you could just throw those in the freezer and they'll last, you know, year plus without any yep. problem. It's a beautiful thing. And you don't have to just keep buying meat. You could just get it. I mean, granted, it's a it's well, although you're buying in bulk, so you're getting a deal when you buy the whole cow. But uh, I'm just glad they didn't just yeah. be like, well, here's the cow. Uh, buying the whole cow at once. I mean, it's it's you're you're making an investment up front and, and they're I mean, they're not super cheap. It's a couple hundred bucks, but uh, it's cheaper than if you bought each of those pieces of meat separately at the grocery store from the meat case. Um, the, the big investment up front, by the way, is making sure that you have the freezer for it because you're not going to you know, the, the little the little freezer compartment on the side of your fridge. Is not going to be enough to hold all of this. <laughs> no, cows are big. Yeah. Believe it or not. But we do have some experts to thank. Speaking of animals that you can eat, our <laughs> number one executive producer on today, Mud Pig, is back with a $50 donation, which came in on Have I Wednesday. told you I like bacon? Yeah, I love bacon. It's not a mention. Yeah, I had some this morning. And uh, it, was, it was stuff. And now that I realize that the grocery store that we order from or go to you can also and i don't know why i didn't really understand this before because always it's easy you go to the pre-packaged bacon and you just pick up a pack you know and it's whether it's you know we like the you know the store brand which is fine or there's a few other brands which are a little bit better but i didn't realize they have different bacon right at the meat counter and you could just go get it freshly cut any way you want i'm like oh, i didn't know oh, you yeah. could just go to the meat counter and get more bacon i like more bacon the that, that was always when I was willing to go into Safeway. That was always my favorite part of the store. They had the the meat counter with the freshly cut, and they had like different. They had the the apple wood whatever. Yes. Was like they had they had the candied bacon, which I mean, was really good. But my God, like how do you take bacon and make it even less healthy? Um, <laughs> and then they had just the regular, and then they had the one that I always loved, but I couldn't get very often because it it, it destroys my wife. Is the peppered bacon? Yes, we got that. The applewood and pepper. We both got the uh, the last time. I'm a huge fan of peppered bacon, but then again, I like spices more than I think my wife does. Yeah, and well, then the peppered one for some reason was way thicker, so you you had to adjust. It came down to it's like yeah, about a slice and a half. I mean, normally for the normally cut stuff, it's like okay, three pieces of bacon with your omelet, eggs, whatever I'm making in the morning is great. This was like way too much bacon at like two pieces because each 
Um, it was a quarter pound. The one time, remember, they screwed up the order. They gave me a quarter pound, which was two slices. So it's like it's an eighth of a pound for uh, per slice. So that's, that's a lot of bacon, but it's good stuff. But I digress. Uh, Mud Pig came in via Ethereum. And we need to point out that this was a $50 donation on Wednesday. But I mean, now, I mean, it might be like three bucks. <laughs> yeah and tomorrow it might be 75 yes it was it was 49 dollars when i looked right before the show today but yeah ethereum going up going down and he tried putting a node in with it but i guess there's another site that i would have to have a uh an account with to read the note but he said no problem on the note nothing interesting to say this time around just keep it up and here is some friend freshly mined ethereum and yeah i'm still mining ethereum because i have to make up for all the losses that have been going uh going down but I, you know again well, yeah I, isn't that how it works when the price goes down you just make more you know and that was the thought and i really should have you know and i don't know i i have enough in it to play and to feel like i'm in vegas and if i lose it all i'll be like oh well that's kind of depressing but i'll move on in minutes not like i put one hundred eighty thousand dollars into it and uh and riding the white knuckle ride, but uh, well, I, I hear that if you put one hundred eighty thousand dollars into it, you'll come out a millionaire. You could. That's true of every story that makes it on the news. Well, yeah, because this is the this is the feel good story of the summer. But the reality is, I think the crypto will continue to go up for the short term, and that is probably you know months or a few years. Although Bitcoin, it's it's I think it's actually kind of good that Bitcoin has been correcting the way it has. And the way I look at it is even with these two massive drops, it's still very close to where I bought in on this stuff, you know, a month and a half ago. So the reality is it's going up and it's correcting and it's going back up again. But it was down the Cardano, which is still my crypto of choice. Went down from like a buck forty five, and it was down to like ninety three cents last night. So I mean, it really is doing a, uh, it's doing a fun little up and down thing. So always understand, kids, crypto is volatile. Coming in next at twenty five bucks, Lance Schmid, which comes in with the note that just says, "Here you go, fuckers, stay grumpy." So. <laughs> Thanks. I, that's a note I can get behind. <laughs> yes. And uh, we appreciate that. We Lance. should have more of our produce. You know, you you have this some aversion to swearing on here because you seem to think that somehow we can get on the radio. And of course, I screw it up every episode because I don't really have the same aversion. But then we have our, our when our experts come in with swear words in their notes. Yes. I, which I mean, I feel justified. The next uh, down the line is our buddy search seat sitter. Otherwise known as Chris, the host of the Abs in a Six Pack podcast, he comes in with $15 and he was knighted officially. If you're a No Agenda listener, and if you're not, you should check that show out at noagendashow.com. That when you donate over $1,000 overall, you get to be a knight of the round table. So, Sir Seat Sitter, who has been calling himself that for years, long before No Agenda, and that really confused Adam and John yesterday, which was fun. Because they thought he was already a knight because he's Sir Seat Sitter. Now, now he's Sir Sir Seat Sitter. He should have been. He just asked to be knighted Sir Seat Sitter, but he should have been Sir Sir Seat Sitter. And he comes in with your favorite note of all time, which simply just said, fuck. Was, I, I can get behind the sentiment. $15. And everybody, if you like that note, it's pith- the note is way pithier than any of the podcasts Chris has ever done. 
So <laughs> go to absintosixpack.com. It's got almost as much content. Oh, wait. Well, yeah, it's, it's about as much good content, but he draws it out a little bit more during the show. Hey, he's, he's got he's got Alex Jones clips. Those are good. <laughs> They're the same ones over and over. They're turning the frogs gay. Oh, worth it. Yeah, totally worth it. Coming in via check. Twelve bucks. Brendan Kidwell, a.k.a. Progo of all Progos. A lot of people know Progo. He's out there. Twelve bucks. We appreciate that. And coming in with <laughs> he's in he's in Brooklyn or no, no, he's in New Jersey. Joycey. He's in Joycey. He's really out there. Yeah. You from Joycey? I'm from Joycey. You from Joycey? It was my best uh, impression of Joe Piscopo. Keep working on it. And now there's a lot of people that was uh, like our buddy Guru Finley, Jay Finley, Walkman. He's got so many names. I hope he's feeling better. He had some back surgery, was in the hospital, and he said to one yes. of the nurses that he felt like uh he, that he looked like um nick uh not nicholas cage uh um, why am i blanking the other the nolte? other nick uh, what's uh nolte yes he said he looked like nick nolte on a bender and the nurse looked at him and said <laughs> who's nick nolte <laughs> that's I, how you know you're old i mean nick nolte looks like nick nolte on a bender <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean when doesn't he look like he's on a bender but we'll send. I mean, we if we had health karma, we would send it out to you, uh, Jay Finley, and uh, yes. hope you're back uh, on your feet. You know feet. what I can offer him? I, I don't think this is going to help too much, but I'll offer it anyway. Coding karma. Ooh, a live coding karma. That is always much appreciated. Code that back right back into uh, into submission. And also Cameron White with 633 and John Fletcher of the famous Hog Story Fletcher's coming in with his monthly $3.50. And if you're not listening to Hog Story, I mean, you're probably smart, but Hog Story. If you're not listening to Hog Story, it's because you're listening to Grumpy Old Ben's live right now. Yes. And and don't want to listen to two shows at the same time. You don't want to listen. No, that can be very confusing, especially if you're listening to one of That's them. That's how the mind control gets in. If you don't listen at 1.25 speed, though. That gets dangerous. But if you want to get in on the all of the fun, don't be a script kitty. Be an expert and work towards being a guru. Go to grumpyoldbens.com slash donate. All the information is there on how to make a one-time donation or monthly donation via PayPal, via the crypto of your choice, or by using the P.O. Box address. And I mean, maybe you saw our buddy Sir Gene of Sir Gene Speaks podcast. He had Adam Curry's wife on, Tina, the keeper, Curry, and... uh I did not see it. I only listened to the audio. And then, well, you were on a show, and I was listening to that because I was interested to see if you were going to say nice things about me, which you didn't. And I was hoping you'd say more. You would tell Gene that you love listening to Random Thoughts more than listening to Sir Gene Speaks. But I was listening to the episode on my desktop, and there was a loud hum in the background. And Gene kind of sounded like he was talking through three masks, you know, like... <laughs> And I mentioned that, and I think he thought I was just trolling him. And he I, got I have a, to admit, I thought you were just trolling him. <laughs> and he got a little I mean, bit upset. You kind of, you you kind of uh, signposted that you were going to be trolling him. Yes. Well, that was see, that's half the fun, I guess. But I had actual reality and proof behind me. He's like, where is it? Where does it have a hum? So I sent a clip, and he, I I still can't hear a hum. And uh, the beautiful thing was. He even posted my little clip back to No Agenda Social, which is just like Twitter for those of you not on there. 
And he's like, who hears a hum on this? And like at first it was like 90 something percent of the people voting. No, they don't hear anything. I'm just trolling Gene. And then as if it was a message from on high, a message in the thread appears that said, when I was setting you up with Tina last night, I could hear a hum, Gene. I think it was like ground loop or something. And I just partied right there. I like spiked the imaginary football. I did the little end zone dance because if the pod father heard it, that's all that really yes, matters. Yes. All, all of your trolling is now justified. Yes, exactly. And, and you, now Gene, you have been validated <laughs> to his credit. Gene uh, found out what the problem was. He changed well, the good. he changed the routing. And the beautiful thing was his headphones were always going through the compressor and the noise gate and all that. So even when he was listening to the, the recording, it was getting processed, but it wasn't what was on the recording. So uh, he, he apologized. Well, he didn't really apologize. He admitted that there was something <laughs> wrong with the recording. Different things. But I took it as an apology, Gene. I get it. He okay. is the ultimate well, troll, and he not, likes not that, to troll. Not now that you've had the, your moment of gloating. Thank you. Um, I, I have you ever heard of the the phrase name wreck? Name wreck is this that like is home the, wreck? The new vulnerability. I seem to bring one. It, if it seems like I'm bringing a brand new vulnerability that can cause the entire internet to collapse every single show, it's because a new one comes out every single show. Yes. Yeah. Well, the, the um, hackers are busy. They are. Uh, fortunately, the white hat hackers seem to be busy also. And so a lot of the stories that I'm bringing, um, I'm, I'm bringing as shaggy dog stories and saying, look at how this will completely destroy everything, but it's already patched, which again is, uh, is true here. Sort of. Um, name rec is a, a group for a, a class of nine different DNS vulnerabilities in four popular TCP IP stacks. Uh, this this story came to us by way of Servo, uh, who used to be called Duodenum, but he also got knighted by No Agenda recently. Um, this uh, all of these have to do with DNS message compression, which is part of RFC 1035. If you want to look it up, I'll have the link in the show notes. Um, but DNS message compression is uh, it, it's. When, when you want to request a domain, often, uh, you'll request multiple records and multi, you know, uh, uh, you want to request, say, the mail domain and, uh, uh, you know, the, the web domain. And if you get, you know, you might request the, the IP6 web domain. And so the response will often say, you know, my IP6 is www.grumpyoldbenz.com and my IP4 is www.grumpyoldbenz.com and my MX record is mail.grumpyoldbenz.com if it has it or whatever. So there's a lot of repetition in that. And, um, this isn't a big deal if it's a client, but if you are either proxying or if you're a name server or if you're pushing a lot of traffic, uh, every bit counts and sending a message that is, uh, 75 bytes. Versus sending a message that is 25 bytes is uh, a concern. So they recognize this problem early on. And uh, what what they decided to do about it is they implemented an algorithm that allows you to apply compression to your DNS, which just means uh, usually it's like RLL or LZH or uh, or they 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 put in things like uh, if 
uh, the, the big one is if you have the same string repeated over and over again, then instead of putting in the string, which might be 25, 30, 40 characters, you put in a little special character sequence that refers to some other part in the response and says, get the string from here. Makes sense. Okay. So that's uh, the, the way the protocol goes in general. When that works, it is a, a bit of a time saver. It costs a little CPU, but CPU is cheap as hell compared to network band these days. So it's a pretty good uh, trade off. The only thing is it increases by adding something like this. You have increased the complexity of your protocol. And uh, one thing that we have seen any security researcher knows the more complex the protocol, the more security bugs are going to be found in implementations. And this is true of these four different TCP IP stacks, most of which were written 15 to 25 years ago. Uh, in the case of uh, the FreeBSD stack, this is a vulnerability that has been in since their first implementation in 1993. Um, Actually, I don't know if they implemented it then. That's when the stack started. But FreeBSD is is a, a very popular TCP IP stack. And they had a boundary error in their code uh, where you could provide a specifically crafted packet on the local network, which triggered a buffer overflow. Buffer overflow means remote code execution. These are bad. Um, now, current versions of FreeBSD, this has already been patched. Good. Uh, the other, the other stacks, by the way, were, uh, IPNet, uh, which is used in VXWorks, OSE, and Integrity. Um, the Nucleus.net, which is used in some components from Siemens, including a lot of integrated stuff. And NetX, which was purchased by Microsoft and is now released as an open source project called Azure RTOS NetX. Um, all of these have problems like, uh, the, you, you provide a specially crafted packet and it will write past the end of the string, which is in a remote code exploit. There was one where you could read past the end of the string, which is a denial of service or one that I think was probably my favorite where it doesn't verify the forward pointer, which means if you return, return a pointer that points to the same place as the pointer, then it goes into an infinite loop denial of service and you have to reboot the router. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. So um, all of these, like I said, have been patched, but here's the problem. Um, what devices do you have in your house? Maybe not your house. Most people, many, many people's houses that a are connected to the internet and B never get patched. Well, all the internet of things devices. Yes. Your light bulbs, your lawnmower, your, uh, <laughs> your, your smart Wi-Fi, your, your oven, all of these things that now have, uh, there are estimated to be about a hundred million unpatchable internet of things devices out in the wild today that suffer from these vulnerabilities. And so somebody, uh, first of all, uh, in order to compromise, uh, DNS message compression, um, on a device. Yeah, fortunately, not anyone on the internet can easily do this. You have to either generate a DNS request or a DNS response to generate a DNS request that a device deals with. You have to be on the same local network. So it's difficult to, you know, there, there are exploits to get through a router and make it behave like you look like you're on the local network. We've seen those. We've talked about those, but they're not 
easy to do. So you'd have to chain it with an exploit in your router or with a vulnerability. Um, but if you're on the local network, it's pretty trivial to, to generate a request to one of these devices. Um, if you are outside of the network, then it's a little bit more difficult because you have to be, you have to be able to craft the DNS response, which means that you have to be one of the DNS servers in the chain that the response went through, which means not super easy for anyone on the internet to hack you through this. But if somebody can get to your local ISP, then they will destroy you. Uh, if, if you use, uh, you know, if, if Google wanted to and you use the 8.8.8.8 DNS, they would have a trivial time uh, compromising any of these devices. So, not wide open per se, but it, it highlights the problem that there are a lot of devices out there which either can't update their firmware to patch bugs like this, or they just don't update their firmware because the company created the product, released the product, the team moved on to the next product and nobody even cares anymore. And that happens a lot. And I mean, I get it because this stuff was never meant to be at least a lot of it. Anything more than just a little gadget. This isn't like uh, somebody put a lot of time into it. And the reality is, as we've talked about here, the best things you can do is take your Internet of Things devices and put them on a network of their own. I mean, it's great if you have the capability and put them on a router that nothing else is on, or at least using the guest network on your current router, which helps. And using something now, does using a Raspberry Pi protect you against some of this because you're running all your DNS through that? But if you're if you're still using the Pi, then say to go to Google's DNS, does that make any difference? Well, or it, it- I mean, the the two attack vectors are if anyone in the response chain or anyone who can get to your local network. So if and in fact, um, you're if something is on your local network, it doesn't matter that it's going, whether it's going through the Raspberry Pi or through your router or where it's outbound requests are sent uh, because you can send a DNS request directly to any device that you can address and uh you know the that device will will need to respond to the request and if it has one of these vulnerabilities that uh that causes it to you know go into an infinite loop or or even worse remote code ex- you execute some remote code then it doesn't matter what your your raspberry pi is doing unless your raspberry pi also happens to be your firewall and uh and that's the real trick is uh you know you you can protect against someone like Google deciding to hack you by if you think that that's going to happen, don't use Google. Right. Um, if you think your ISP is going to hack, you don't use your ISP. Somewhere along the line, you've got to trust someone for no, DNS. I refuse. Or or you memorize the IP addresses of every site you visit. <laughs> that's also an option. They change. Uh, but this does bring me to the uh, an article I had from CNET this morning, which I thought was kind of funny and interesting was. How to tell when it's time to upgrade your router, which uh, uh, it's it's time to upgrade your router. Yeah, I mean, you're just going to go with that should be the default. Well, see, that is they say experts recommend getting a new router every couple of years, which I don't think that's what the average person thinks. I don't think that's what the average person the average does. Person doesn't do it. No. Well, one of the reasons why these exploits have been in code 
for decades in some cases is because uh, there is a principle that that, uh, humans everywhere follows, but especially engineers. And that is if it's not broke, don't fix it. And if uh, all of these, these network stacks that have been put into open source projects that have been put into operating systems that have been put into internet of things, devices that have been put into your router, all of these uh, stacks seemed to work just fine. And nobody really, everybody's like, well, it works. And you know, there's so many parts of the code that you have to mess with. Then let's not mess with the ones that we have been working everywhere for 10 years. Let's, and, and, and they don't even get audited that often. Right. And that's I, I have no name, which is a great handle in the troll rooms. Like, can't I just reload a new version of DDWRT? Yeah, that's pretty much this is a multi uh, a multi pronged thing, because if you have a router that you're still happy with how the hardware works, but the vendor is no longer providing firmware updates for it, thus it is possibly a huge security risk. Yeah. Then, yes, you can put firmware on, then do your own firmware. And as long as it's functioning you know that's why i kind of laughed at this i mean for me and you and people that are looking to get the fastest blazing speeds that you can okay maybe you update your router every couple of years just to stay on top of things not i mean i've never really replaced a router because of it's not working it was always i want a little bit extra speed i want more ports i want something that i can add on to it and as you add more and more devices on your router needs to be a little bit beefier with things like the CPU. The older routers trying to run something like a VPN connection, which is a little bit CPU intensive, that if you were trying to do that on the router end, then yeah, you might want to update and get something with a faster processor to it. But this is why I guess a majority of people are just using the modem slash router combination that comes from their ISP, which I know our crowd is probably split. Maybe what would you say? 50, 50 on people that are, I, I, I would venture that more than 50% fight quit. I mean, I, I think most people are. And a part of that is that ISPs have started to get pretty good about paying attention to optimizing the router uh, and, and replacing that. Even if, by the way, even if your ISP is managing your router, you still need to go to them and say, this router you gave me five years ago, I want a new one. Right. And oh, yeah. A lot of ISPs are like, OK, here you go. Like like if you go into and, and I'm pretty sure Ben will back me up on this, uh, not that he specifically knows anything about the store. But if you go into an Xfinity store and you walk in there and you're like, here's a router that I've had for five years. Can I do you have an upgrade version? They'll just grab it, go into the back and bring back the new model and hand it to you. Right. And and for a lot of people who don't want to deal with the firmware on their router, that is a really great way to do it. That counts as an upgrade. That counts as keeping yourself patched because the people at Comcast don't want malware in their network any more than you do unless they put it there. I was going to say unless it's their software. Yeah. And therefore, they keep like the all of the routers that they hand out generally have firmware that's been up the, and at a pretty close to the latest version. Which is so, good. I mean, you know, I'm not actually suggesting you go into your Xfinity store once a month and swap out the router, but I mean, that'd keep you uh, current. Yeah. Well, that's what I did when the new, the new box came out, you just request it and they're like, Oh, okay. Either we'll, uh, the one time they sent it the other time, like, can you pick it up at the local store? It's like, sure. No problem. 
It's a except for the whole rigmarole they make you go through when you walk into the store, which it's usually way easier just to get it via mail because. uh, Oh, yeah. Walking into the store is already a pain in the butt. Uh huh. But I mean, overall, I can't complain too much, but I do still run my own router because I'm old school and I do have multiple routers on this system, one of which now is running through the Winston privacy device that we talked about, which is what my Roku is going through and everything that connects to to that router. So it's great to have an extra device that you can run that kind of stuff through. It keeps things off of your main network and it still gets access to the Internet. It's a beautiful thing, which is great. If you're upgrading your router, don't think like we're just going to swap it out. Then you could get rid of the old one. Use the old one. Use that then as your secondary router for all of your IoT things. Set it up for a guest network and keep your main network separate from all of those things. If if nothing else, use it to firewall all of your IoT devices from your main network. Yeah, you need to do that because nobody's updating this stuff. Yeah. And my last story uh, of the Ever? day. Oh, of the day. no, just I uh, trust me, Ooh. I'll have another one in 10 minutes, but I want to <laughs> hopefully can stop talking before then. Uh, the last story I had is a proposed legislation from the UK, which will will tie into this pretty nicely. Um, they are part of the uh, GCHQ's Code of Practice for Consumer IoT Security. Um, they've, they've created a security by design project and. Part of that involves legislation that says manufacturers of any device is now going to have to give at the time of sale, at the time of manufacture, whatever, they are going to have to give the support end date for that and then Ooh, live up to it, which is it means that if if you create a device, you have to say this device will be supported until this date. And after this date, we're not going to provide support anymore. And then. You have to support the device till that date. That's a really I'm, good concept. I mean, it should I, make people happier and more at ease when buying this stuff. And, and you know, as much as my knee jerk reaction is, I don't like government regulation in any form. Um, uh, trying to hold manufacturers to a service level agreement is a pretty. I mean, that that's that's commerce. You do what you say, right. don't you? The the absolute most annoying part in any terms of service, and this has been true of you know every software that's been released since the days of shareware, and and is probably also out there is you, you we've all read it is this software is provided as is without any warranty right. that it does anything at all right and like okay so you've just told me that what your software actually is is useless and if anything goes wrong it's my fault. That's an awful clause to put into any contract. It says uh, I'm taking your money and I'm handing you a thing and I'm not even claiming that it does anything useful. Well, well, boy, wouldn't it be nice if somebody who who sells you a product had to at least give some guarantee that the product is going to work through a certain date? No, that's crazy. See, now, did you did you guru is like screw the fifteen dollars a month Xfinity modem gateway? Well, yeah, see, I used to say that until they included unlimited bandwidth when you gave them the extra 15 a month, but then charge you 50 bucks a month for it. Otherwise, I figured that was a discount. <laughs> yeah, there was some shady shit going on. Oh, there. yeah, I don't I mean, really. It's like, really? So I can't just use my own and give you I'll give you the extra 15 bucks. Well, no, you have to use this modem. It's like, why? So the, the, the one other uh the the one other part of this proposed legislation I wanted to call out is uh 
It also uh, would ban manufacturers from publishing a default admin password for their devices. Ooh, that's the one. No, I mean, people need those to get into them. Well, I, mean, I understand the people reason need why. an admin password, but maybe they don't need the same admin password for every device. Well, that's true. It's usually admin and password or something like yeah. that. And, and th- th- that's every device, you know, because because it's really easy when you're mass producing things to say, yes, every single device when it comes out so that we can flash exactly the same firmware onto everything. And the firmware has the default password in it. And also, when you reset to company firmware, it will have the default password in it. And by the way, the default password for every device is admin. And and that sure is easy because now you can use exactly the same firmware for everything. But it's a hell of a lot more secure to put a a slightly different firmware on each device where the only difference is the admin password is a different sequence of random characters and then you put a sticker on the device that says the default admin password for this device is GCHQIOT or something. Right. And that's way more secure. It also requires that you do something different for each device. So when a company wants to save on manufacturing, obviously they would balk at that. But this is proposing that doing something like that become uh, mandatory by law. Well, there was I think it was my uh, QNAP NAS, the one that didn't die on me recently. Which had a vulnerability, they said, and in their software, they suggest that you create another admin account, not named admin, and then delete the admin account. So obviously they're like, this is, you know, this this device is susceptible to brute force attacks. Yeah. On the It's like, wait, then why don't you just change the software that says if the admin gets hit with more than three or four wrong passwords, then lock it down. That would make more sense than, you know, redo it. But, you know, I guess you were asking. And that's that's another great piece of advice that you've given in the past. Uh, In particular, you gave it with regards to WordPress is never use the default name for the admin account. Yeah. And hide that. Hide where that is. There's a there's a plugin that'll let you easily change where the login appears. So if you go to our site over at grumpyoldbeds.com, even though it's a WordPress site, yeah. If you do grumpy old Ben uh, slash WP admin or whatever the default is, not there. it won't work on our site. Nope, it's not there. Void zero pointed me to that one. But, you know, it's something that everybody should know running a WordPress site. And and speaking of uh, and tech things that everybody should know about our buddy, Matthew Healy up in the great white north. He's a, a part time podcaster of the maps with Matt show. He had a keyboard that about a year ago or so, at least it seems like about a year. He spilled some soda or beer or lemonade, knowing that you was probably beer, spilled something into his keyboard and it died. So he bought another keyboard and he kept saying, well, I'm going to try to put this in the dishwasher. And it took him like a year to do it. But cleaning it in the dishwasher fixed the dish. It fixed the keyboard. So that's something to consider. I'll yeah. be really impressed if it fixed the dishwasher. Yes, that would be awesome. Now, although the keyboard may have hacked the dishwasher now. I don't know if you consider that that's a dangerous well, combination. That, that depends on whether or not it's using Wi-Fi signals to to figure out exactly which keys the dishwasher is pressing in order to enter a password. Maybe. And there was a wiki how article on that that I'll include in the show notes. But I was I mean, a lot of people are like, really, you could you could do that. It's like, yeah, because the keyboard's not really electrical per se. It, it, it's mostly mechanical, but it's and it's got a lot of electric traces and stuff. But, uh, it, you know. 
anytime that you use water near electronics, if you do it right, it can still be hit or miss. It's always possible that you corrode the wrong part of the keyboard and something stops working. But the traces on a keyboard are large enough that you're probably not going to corrode it through time in the dishwasher. But if you are going to use water near anything electronic, the rule of thumb, the golden rule, the one that you absolutely must follow is you have to dry every (laughs) single drop before you put power anywhere near it. Yes. Yeah. Do not plug it in until it is absolutely dry. If you can take off all the keys then and everything, yeah, go, which go is a bury real it pain. for 50 years in the Sahara or something, if you have to <laughs> yeah, pull, put it like phones, just get a really big bag full of rice. Although <laughs> your keyboard is going to be dirty as hell again, because it's not really what you want. It was just sort of full of rice. Yeah. A bag full of rice. Maybe that's a bad idea with a keyboard, but just use a hairdryer, whatever you got to do. Dry that thing completely. Yeah. And I, and I, I will say it outside. I the talk- sunshine. Well, if it's sunny. If it's if it's raining like here, then maybe don't hang it outside. <laughs> right. And I think I, I finally figured out my issue with the vinyl record cleaning. And I know I talked about that a little bit here at one point. But oh, DigiGuru is recommending dry it in the microwave. <laughs> well, it will be. Uh, it will not have water on it. I mean, the microwave <laughs> itself will fry all the traces on your keyboard far worse than the water could do. But I assure you, you will not have water in it anymore. You will have a really good paperweight at the end of all that. It'll be cool because it'll look kind of like a keyboard in some parts. But uh, yeah, that's not a good idea. It'll, it, it becomes art. It's a keyboard sculpture. Ooh, that's not a bad idea. You can sell them on Etsy. Yeah. It's, it's worth more as art than it is. You sell it. Have you ever tried selling a used keyboard? They're like, ah, I'll give you 20 cents for it. And what, unless it's one of those old IBM. What was the model number on the original ones that people are paying? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, those were those were nice. Oh, yeah. Because the they were tanks. <laughs> yeah. The the ones that like you, you needed a, a pair of vice grips and a crowbar in order to press the keys. They had so much heft to them. And yeah. And in case of a zombie apocalypse, you could always pick up your keyboard <laughs> and just beat someone to death with it. You know, if you're if you were moving your desk around, you needed a friend to help you lift the keyboard up you know those kind of yeah. things but uh did like those yeah they 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 last that's why people will pay for them but with my ultrasonic cleaner of the vinyl the reality is it needed a step where it was rinsed after cleaning that was as simple as that would be a rinse and then i got a little vacuum nozzle which goes on to a wet dry vac oh, to, bow wow. yeah i know uh which is you know the most expensive like 12 inch piece of pvc i've ever bought and i understood that going into it because my wife's like i could do that i'm like by tomorrow when i want to clean records you can uh, take them <laughs> you mean it's it's taking this pipe it is drilling a hole in where it can go onto a turntables you know the little uh, thing in the middle there where the record goes on and you just have to cut a nice little thin hole down the length and then put some well, something on this, it's like a little velvet, but little fabric to keep the plastic from touching the album. And I understood it was way overpriced, but it actually works really well. And th- there was a Foo Fighter album that I thought was just totally trash. And I tell you, these things can take a lot. I, I would argue that every Foo Fighter album is totally <laughs> trash. Well, it, now it sounds better. The trash. I mean, I threw alcohol at it. I did everything trying to get this you know, whatever this residue that the one I other cleaner left. College, we threw alcohol at our Foo Fighter albums. <laughs> well, you were doing it in a much more entertaining way. Spindle, yes, DigiGuru. Thanks for crystallizing my thought quite eloquently. Uh, but yeah, so the the cleaner does a really good job. It just turns out that even though you're talking in like six plus liters in this ultrasonic cleaner of distilled water, 
that you add not even a full teaspoon of this heavy duty cleaner to it. It's oh. it's called uh, uh, Triton X one hundred, which is once I heard like they some made kind it, of detergent. Yeah, what's well, it is a detergent. Now they use it in laboratories, I guess, and the EU says it's 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 illegal because it's it's dangerous to the world. So I'm like, oh, I need that stuff. Oh, <laughs> and it works really really well. But I figured, well, I mean, you know, by the time you would dilute like a teaspoon of this stuff in six liters of water, you would figure, okay, you're cleaning the album. What kind of residue could be left? on that and it turns out a lot i guess yeah i believe it so rinse vacuum and uh so it's now a pain in the ass to clean records lather, because lather rinse repeat kind of that is it so now i take the albums they go through 20 minutes or so in a heated ultrasonic bath then they go into this which the thing to rinse them off is like a 40 or 50 dollar piece of plastic that you put the distilled water in and then spin the record through a couple of brushes and then onto the, an old turntable to vacuum it off. This but sounds like a lot of effort. Wouldn't it be easier to, to just keep your NAS from crashing? Yes, it would. It would be a hell of a lot easier. But I still love the whole physical aspect of record albums. And it still just blows my mind that that disc that you're putting on there, there's just a needle going over it and it's reproducing sound. I mean, whoever came up with that idea and it still sounds just as uh. good. Yes. That Alexander Graham Bell. He was a genius because the high Dude. fidelity stereo you get out of this, the dynamic range, the frequency response is quite cool for a physical medium. I don't know. I'm just I nerd out on that particular thing. But, yeah, it's a hell of a lot easier to get a digital file and just listen to it. But you don't have any of the inconvenience. So what fun is that? Yeah. It's like grumpy old Ben's. But all the inconvenience, none of the fun. Yes welcome to grumpy old beds there's a show opener i think but we will be back on monday to hopefully give you all of the information with none of the fun or something whatever our new logo will be and uh we hope you join us then live noon eastern noagendastream.com for the show and you can find us where all your finest podcasts are sold do us a favor rate the show wherever you get your podcast do a review tell a friend tell 12 friends Tell them that uh, Ryan Bemrose is on this show and they will come running. Just have them. They'll be running somewhere. Yeah, they'll be running in one direction or the other. With that said, thanks for listening. We'll be back in just what three days and I'll I'll still be bitching about my NAS most likely until I hope so. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I understand that tech fails, but it still pisses me off. And from America's left coast, where I want a new tractor to haul my next load of freezer beef. I'm Ryan Bemrose. You would just drive it off the road.